0: right Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to Emotional Savvy. Today I'm going to talk about something entirely different. I haven't spoken about this topic before and you may not understand immediately how it applies to relationships, but I think you probably will in just an instant. Because when we think about this topic, we think about money. We think about things, we think about success, we think about things of that nature, and not usually about our relationships. So I wanted to hook those two things together in a very clear way today. So I'm going to talk about one of my favorite things to talk about, which you would never know because I haven't spoken about it before, but I used to a lot. And that is about prosperity. You know, yes, it's overused. Yes, for sure. That's why I stopped talking about it all the time, because we just heard so much about it. But I really think it's important to understand in the context of relationships, because prosperity really does begin between your ears. It's not something you receive. It's something that you cultivate and create from within, and it has an outward effect. It does things for you and it changes things for you. And those are very important things to notice. So let's just talk about it for a little while, and then we'll see how it applies to relationship. So if you're waiting for someone or something to do something for you, you know that's not going to happen, right? (laughs) It's not going to happen. And if you're waiting for them to give you something, that may take even longer. And that's not a great way to live your life because Somebody else is in control of your life, and prosperity is something you create. No one gives it to you. So, let's talk about how to stop waiting and how to get on with making it happen. So, what are you thinking about right this minute? Is it a negative thought? Let's make some distinctions here then. The truth is neutral. Okay, the truth is neutral, neither negative or positive. Judgments are. So often we fill our head with judgments rather than the truth or creative thoughts. You know, you know that thing that happens when you're walking down the mall even just by yourself and you're walking down the mall and you're thinking, "Oh my goodness, is is it really necessary to have the Christmas decorations up in July?" Or, "Wow, if that person can be in a relationship, so can I?" Or, "I hate those shoes," or whatever's going on in your head is filled with judgment. And when your head is filled with judgment, it can't be filled with creative thought and it can't be filled with what you're moving toward because it's so embroiled, usually in what you hated about the past or maybe what you're hating right now. So this is the most practical advice I can give you. Only think about the truth to assess your current situation the neutrality, the fact, and then focus only on what you want to do to create and improve it. Now, I know if you're with a hijackle, yes, it's hard to get that kind of focus. I completely understand. But if you can just manage yourself, manage your thoughts, they're entirely yours. It's going on entirely within you. doesn't matter what's coming at you from outside. You're the one in charge of your thoughts. Own that. Grab it. Take it and allow no gloom and doom thoughts. Now, I'm not saying you don't have reason for that. I'm saying just for a little bit, let those thoughts go away. Replace them with something. And that's important to learn to do that. You know, I read some research recently that the average child under the age of six, I think the research said that they hear 437 negative messages a day. Now, that's a pretty putrid training ground for negativity. So you can certainly be excused if you're still talking to yourself in negative terms. I mean, you learned it until this minute. Maybe you didn't really think about it. But let's just say no more to that because that's not going to serve you well. It's not going to serve you well in anything. So if you want to be prosperous, you know, have abundance in your life, have, have that joy, then you need to change your thinking. And I was working with a client. Um, not well, recently, and during our first call, I actually wrote down what he said. He said, I just can't decide what I need to do. Life is passing me by. I have no self-discipline, no relationship, and little self-esteem. Nothing in my life is working, and I don't have enough money. Now, those things were all true to him, but my first question was, what do you most want? And my question to you is, what do you most want? Because he didn't know where to start. In fact, his first statements were more felt than even accurate in his life. He just, It just came from within him. I don't have anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm not getting anywhere. He really felt that. It wasn't true, of course. He was making a living and he was uh, managing to stay fed and all those good things. And he exercised regularly and, you know, he paid his bills. But he didn't let people walk all over him. So his self-esteem was enough to maintain healthy boundaries. And it came clear to me, here's what's going on. My client is a perfectionist. Have any meaning to you? Any chance that you were raised to be a perfectionist? I was. There was nothing that I could do well enough to keep my mother happy. Nothing. I couldn't even peel potatoes correctly, according to my mother. Honestly, it was really sad. So anyway, my client and I began to talk about prosperity. And if he really believed those first statements about himself, if he really believed they were the truth, Could it be that he was actually keeping two things in place in two ways, that he was talking about them as facts repeatedly, so he's reminding himself of that, and then he's not taking any action to change a situation? So he begrudgingly told me that, yeah, that was probably true. And I certainly agreed with him. I wasn't going to dissuade him of that knowledge. So... He was holding those things in place in his mind by repeating them to himself daily, and they became very, very real. And no wonder everything in life had become a downer. I mean, what's going to happen? You're not going to have a smile on your face with that idea of who you are in the world. So that wasn't happening for him. And you know, the dictionary says prosperity is the condition of being successful or thriving. The condition of being successful or thriving. Now, let's talk about the successful part. That's yours to decide. If being successful to you is being the best parent you possibly can be, and that's what you do, yay. But don't buy into the world's idea that success means you're nothing if you haven't made a million dollars and have a big home, three boats, four cars, and everything in your life is working perfectly. No. You define what it means to be successful. It's on your own terms. So, first thing to think about: you can be successful and you can be prosperous if you go through a few thought processes that maybe require a few changes in your thinking. Now, I wrote a book. It's available on Amazon among many of the books I've written, and it's called "What You Pay Attention To Expands." Now, I wrote that book in two thousand two or three. I think nothing has changed. Still really good guidebook to getting clear about creating prosperity in your life. What you pay attention to expands. So listen to the conversation that's going on inside your head. What are you saying? What are you focused on? It's not the glass half full or half empty. It's what filling it that counts. What is filling up that glass? And what it is, is your turn of mind what you've decided to focus on. Now, don't think for a minute, don't go away thinking this is all simplistic and I don't understand because oh boy do I. You know, I've been there, done that. I have the ugly video and the holy t-shirt. I really do. I know how awful life can be. And when I'm saying these things to you is because I learned them the hard way. I learned them because I wanted life to be different than what I knew as a child and a teenager. I wanted to change my thinking so I could change my life, and I did. So I knew that when I came up with that title for that book, What You Pay Attention to expands. I'd already experimented with all. I knew it was true, and it is true. So I want to share that with you. Now you you may be in a very troubled relationship maybe with a difficult person maybe even a toxic person. And yes you need to pay attention to it, but you don't have to pay attention to all the downsides. You can pay attention to what you want to create. What the reality is, what the truth is, what the neutral truth is, and what you would like to do with it, not what you'd like to do to him or her, <laughs> okay? So You can change at will. Again, it sounds so simple. Not always that easy. But you can change at will. You can change your mind. So if it's become a habit for you to bad mouth or poor mouth or any of that, just start saying no when your head goes there. Just no. that's not going to work. That's not going to go into my consciousness. Your subconscious mind works in pictures. And so it's very important what you feed it, clear pictures of what you want, clear pictures of how you want to feel and see yourself in that circumstance. It really is important. All the things that we know about neuroscience, all things we know about belief, all of this is very intrinsic to what I'm sharing with you today. And so, you know, you have to think about that your mind works in pictures. It doesn't have a picture for a word like not. So if you say, I do not smoke, the mind creates a picture of I smoke. So we don't try to create those pictures. I am healthy and my lungs and life are good. That's a picture that can be created. That's the kind of shift in our thinking that is required. Because remember, you are the painter of the pictures in your mind. Paint the ones you want to see and never take your eyes off them. Can you do that? Will you do that? Do you matter enough to yourself to even think about doing that? Did you immediately come up with a yeah, but when I said that? Did your mind really go to, yeah, but you don't understand my circumstances. Yeah, but you don't know how tough it is. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but those strange little animals, the yeah, buts, no, they've got to go. And believe me, I'm going to say it again. I have lived this. I know what it's like to live in limitation. I know what it's like to live with abundance. I prefer abundance. And I think you would too. And I don't mean abundance in bank accounts and all that. I mean, enjoy in being happy, in being contented, in knowing I can solve a problem, in knowing I can recognize a problem, in knowing what to do to overcome these limiting beliefs or limitations. And this is how it begins to apply directly to your relationships. So accept the creative power of your mind focus on it. Focus on your goals and your desires and the relationships with yourself and with other people. And then a big belief. Believe that you deserve to thrive. Do you believe that? You know, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I believe that. But deep down, what just happened? Do you believe you deserve to thrive, to have a happy, healthy life? Again, you know, I'm absolutely against people brushing over all these things as though they're so simple, so easy. Uh, they're neither simple nor easy, but they are doable. So in our Western culture, many people have difficulties with this idea that you have to believe you, you deserve to thrive. It's all very convoluted because many people seem to believe that just declaring that they're good at things is bragging or conceit or arrogance, maybe your mother told you that too, mine certainly did, and therefore they're declaring that they deserve nothing but good seems outrageous. No, it's only when we think that we're superior to other people that being able to recognize what we're good at is a problem. If I think I'm better than someone else, but if I talk about I deserve love, I deserve to thrive, yes. You do. And you do because you take up space and draw breath. You don't have to do anything special. Regardless of what those parents told you or people told you about who you are, they were only speaking what they knew. They don't know you the way you know you. So don't let them define you. And don't let them limit your abundance and your prosperity. Because you're here to, to really demonstrate your deeply held value and contribute your talents. And that's the simple truth. That's what makes the world a safe and pleasant place. When you contribute your talents, your joy, your desires to uh, have the world be a better place, the desire to create relationships that are, you know my three, equal, reciprocal, and mutual. And how can you do that if you're not living a fully expressing life? it will limit your relationships. And if you're living small and thinking small, you're going to have a a small life. Now, I've got people in my Facebook groups and, and many of the groups that I belong to who somehow believe they don't deserve to thrive. They're taking poor behavior that's thrown at them, And they're looking for the approval of someone they don't even approve of. And that's a trap that they've gotten into, which is why I wrote the book Escaping the Hijackal Trap. Really need to know that. Really need to be clear about that. So that if you're stuck in a relationship that's toxic, first of all, believe you deserve to not be treated that way. That you deserve better than that. And that you will take care of you. You're not looking for someone else to take care of you. You are looking to take care of you. And yes, that may mean working with someone like me to help you make that shift. You may need help and support along the journey, but you're the initiator of that journey. You are the one who says, yes, I want a better life. I want it to be different, and I'm willing to do what it takes. And yeah, you'll have some false starts you know, it all sounds great. Yes, it's that diet on Monday morning and it's falling off the wagon on Thursday and getting back on on Friday. We'll all have false starts. Don't let that say, oh, there I go again. I'm a terrible person and I can never do what I say. No, get back up, start again immediately. Takes a few false starts. And then what you have to do is step out in the world as if what you believe is already there. So what would you do or say or wear or want or think if you had all the success you could imagine? What what would be happening? Start behaving that way. Wow. Could you do that? Would you? I don't mean start spending thousands and thousands of dollars. Not that. Just in your head how would life look how would it feel step into that you know one day i had this big epiphany i was giving a seminar and all of a sudden a thought struck me so i asked the group i said did did any of you be told to save things for good when you were little and of course most of them put up their hands and i said If you've got things you're saving for good, whether that's clothing or linen or crystal or a bottle of wine or something, um, then I want you to connect this idea. The next time someone tells you to have a good day, go home and put on those clothes, take out that jewelry, set the table with the linen, drink the wine, and treat yourself well. Because when someone tells you to have a good day, use everything you're saving for good. Of course, everybody laughed. But each time someone tells you to have a good day, let it be a reminder to treat yourself well and stop saving for good. This is the only moment there is. So if you're in a relationship that's not going well, then say to yourself, hey, what kind of relationship do I want? Don't spend your day going, oh, this is awful, and he done me wrong, and she's a mess, and I don't know what to do. Say, no, what do I want? How would I like to be treated? What is it that would make me happy? Because if you can't define that to yourself, you can't tell that to somebody else and find out if they have any willingness at all to give it to you. So These are really important things, and this is the where relationship and prosperity meet. It's in your mindset to believe that you deserve to be treated well. You deserve to be treated with respect. You deserve to be treated with honesty. You you deserve trust. You deserve all of these things. And you get them by giving them. When you're honest, you know what I talk about in Kaizen for Couples. If you're honest. If you're trusting, if you're safe with yourself, if you respect yourself, if you're reliable and you do what you say you're going to do, even if that's sticking to the diet, you begin to walk in a different pathway. And when you do your own inner work, and I know you've heard me in many episodes talk about this, do your own work first, no matter what's going on out there in the world, do your own work first, find out. And this is another aspect, another facet of doing your own work. What is it you want? What is it that you're picturing that would happen in your life? What is the relationship you want? How would you like to be treated? What would that look like? And what do you need to ask for? So this is prosperity thinking. And it's very important. You can see it relates to everything in your life. So prosperity begins by believing you deserve to thrive and be successful. You deserve it. And it continues by focusing on what you want and where you want to go and being willing then, next step, to ask for what you need and want in a way that other people can hear and is not a demand or an expectation. It's an ask. And then remembering that prosperity is between your ears. You made it all up. You get to create it. Now, I'm going to say it one more time. I don't mean to sound simplistic. I just want to be encouraging. You can shift. You know how it feels when you're lying in bed and you're depressed and everything and you go, oh, the world's a terrible place. But for some reason, you get up and have a shower and you maybe perk up a little bit and put on some decent clothes and all of a sudden you feel better. Well, you did that for yourself. So I'm encouraging you to get some mental habits that you do for yourself. It will change your outlook. It will change the way you view yourself. It will change that self-image, that self-concept, and it will change your self-esteem, and eventually will change your self-confidence, and it will bring you prosperity in all areas of your life. I really hope that this really sinks in for you or is a great reminder if you've heard it many times before. Because it works, and I'm here to absolutely tell you that it does. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Come and find me at 4 F-O-R, relationshiphelpcom or visit me on YouTube. Same thing, my channel's called 4 Relationship Help. And enjoy my other podcast, Save Your Sanity Help for Handling Hijackles. You'll find it also wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. Talk soon. Emotional Savvy, the relationship help show. As usual, I'm excited to bring you a new guest. Her name is Jolene Philbrook. And I met her recently at a conference and we got to talking and I thought, all right, here's something interesting, a different point of view for you. So welcome to the program,
1: Jolene. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I'm happy you're here too, because we're going to be talking about mindset, the way that we think about ourselves and the world, and what we can do about that. So let me tell you a little bit about Jolene. She's known as the abundant mindset expert, and she intuitively clears prosperity blocks you might have one or two of those her specialty is shifting the inner game and releasing stuck emotions to attract more success more prosperity and happiness in your life Jolene discovered this process the hard way she went through breast cancer a custody suit with no income and a year later kidney cancer wow that's quite the journey (laughs) (laughs) how long ago did all that happen
1: to you it started in 2008 and finished in 2010, so it was Whoa, a couple that was- years of... Real learning. (laughs) Yes, I don't recommend it for anybody.
0: No, it's very, very difficult when you have challenges that pile up like that. And especially when they're kind of connected, but not connected. You know, things are happening in your life. They're happening in your emotional life. They're happening in your health. And then you're doing something like going to court and trying to leave a situation that you think leaving would make your life so much better. And yet it's never easy. And so you've got two things happening simultaneously. Do you think they're connected?
1: I definitely do. I have a uh, spiritual belief that we are this spiritual being having a physical experience. And everything we are experiencing here is part of our learning. And what was really interesting is this court custody case started three years after my divorce. Mm-hmm. They started about two weeks around the same time. They started two weeks difference. And I just had my last operation. I waddled to the mailbox, open up the mailbox, and the judge, it, it was so bad. Um, the judge had to make the decision. I mean, it, it went to a trial. It ended up in a trial. And so the judge made his decision, and I pull out the piece of paper, And right then, I had this image in my mind of a ball and chain on my ankle that broke free. And I go, wow, I am now free of my old life. And as I stood there at the mailbox, I thought, wow, who am I going to be now? (laughs)
0: well that's an interesting question a lot of people don't ask that one and you know that relates to something I put in my newsletter this morning and my newsletter is called tips for relationships and I wrote an article about a phrase that I think is extremely important for us all to learn there's this second between perceiving something that's happening in our lives and deciding how we think and feel about it and what I invite people to do is replace anything else with this thought for what might this be good. Mm. And I I hear that you had that mindset when you opened that letter and said, whoa, I'm free, as opposed to, ah, oh, that's over. I mean, big difference, right?
1: Yes. And the freedom really came from, being separated from this person that I would like to call the Wicked Witch of the West I mean this person was um, <sighs> well just think of the Wicked Witch just <laughs> devious and mean and <laughs> I don't want to get into blame and all that but um, it, it was a huge learning on mm. how not to be hijacked by a, a
0: hijackal
1: <laughs> hijackle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for those of you who don't know what a
0: hijackle is, I'm just going to remind you, Hijackle is my term for those difficult, toxic, often disturbing people who hijack your relationship with them for their own purposes. And then they just scavenge them for power, status, and control. And um, it's interesting that you use the term wicked witch of the West, for this person because that's the term I used for my mother. <laughs> so, oh, funny. You know, I I understand exactly what you mean when you say that because you can't do anything right. Everything is something that they find fault with. They set you up to fail at every moment. Just when you think you're going to get love or approval, they find a way to put you down. And all these things happen and it's about them. Not about us, but we don't know that, especially if we were raised by them. So, what did you learn from that experience?
1: Um, I learned in the beginning when my instincts said four months into the relationship, I should ditch this guy. I didn't listen. <laughs> so, now I know to pay attention to my gut instincts, and I thought, you know, he could change. Oh, yeah. I could see the good in him. But my friends kept saying, he's verbally attacking me. And I would stand there and i say, did you know you just hurt their feelings? And he'd go, no. And I explained to him what he just said that hurt their feelings. And he goes, oh, I didn't know that. He wouldn't say sorry. He would just go, oh, I didn't know that. And I thought, oh, at least he's trying. Well, I learned I'm only responsible for myself. I can only change myself. This person is responsible for themselves, and I can observe their behavior and I have a choice to participate in it or not. But that took me twenty two years to learn <laughs> i didn't learn that overnight,
0: but well, you know you're in good company. I have Facebook groups for people who are dealing with hijackles in their lives, and I have people who have been with people with their partners for thirty four years thirty seven years before they really realize it's not there fault. And it's a really big thing. And you did what so many people do, what many nice people do, when good people do, is say, oh, I'll be compassionate. I can help. If not fix, I can I can support them. Oh, maybe we rationalize it. Oh, they didn't have love in their life. They've never had that one person who really believed in them, and that may be true. But try that out before you ever marry them or move in with them, because if that's not true, you're going to have trouble with it. And you know that's what you're you're talking about your experience, because a hijackle is a hijackle is a hijackle. And what they do is they love bomb you in the beginning. So they look like the best thing since sliced bread and they make you feel so special. They make you feel like they really know you and you believe that they are your quote unquote soulmate. And then once they get you, then it all starts to fall apart. It becomes all com, and you don't matter and you're dispensable and sometimes they say come here and other times they quickly say go away and you are just left trying to please them, trying to figure it out, trying to support them and you have that wonderful idea that if I just hang in here long enough, it will change and you're in really good company. So what was the thing that woke
1: you up to this is not going to change? I was exhausted. I just literally got exhausted trying to please him, trying to make him happy. And finally I said, you know, I'm done trying to please him. And I, when I made that decision, I did not know in about two years time, we'd end up getting divorced. And it was, um, Me giving up, you could say, is like, I've hit my plateau, I'm done. And so then I started taking classes for myself. I started doing things I wanted to do. And then I would get, oh, here's a really good one. I always wanted to take watercolor painting classes. And I lived in a small town in the foothills of Lake Tahoe, Northern California, little town called Grass Valley, we finally got a community college. So I said, wow, I'm going to go to college, and I want to take watercolor. Well, did you know you have to take drawing class before you can take watercolor? I didn't. No. So I, I didn't either. So I had to take drawing so I could do watercolor. Well, I don't know how to draw. I draw like a kindergartner, stick <laughs> figures. You know, I'm, I'm that good at drawing. So I had to get a tutor. Oh, dude. Just to pass the class, right? So I could take watercolor. Next semester rolls around and this person at the time said to me, what are you going to do? Set up a booth next to me because I sell jewelry at arts and craft shows and put your water paintings up there. You know they're not any good and they're not going to sell. So why do you even want to do that? Why don't you go... Um, to Alan Revere Jewelry School and learn how to carve waxes. At least that way we'll make some money. And I go, okay, I'm game. I'll go. But if I don't like it, then I'm not going. I'm going back to watercolor class. And so I went. I love making jewelry. It was really fun. So I learned how to um, carve the waxes. But I would like to put a little spin on this. After my divorce, I went to the store. I bought canvas, I bought paint, I did not take a lesson, and I started painting. And did you know I, I'm a really good artist? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know what you're describing, Jolene, is, is something a hijacker would do. A hijacker would say, it would be very competitive. So they want you to stop doing anything that you might be good at, because then they can have a reason to say, I have power over you. Mm -hmm. And so whomever that person was, who was telling you to go do something else, had a huge fear of you being good at something. So good for you for stepping up. So what is it that allowed you to get this divorce and not have any residual anger? What did you do? (laughs)
1: I went to a therapist matter of fact I had two therapists and a singing teacher (laughs) I I had to have two therapists because one would only see me once a week and I go I need somebody else and then I decided to take singing lessons to keep my mind busy turned out my singing teacher was a therapist that did singing lessons all the time so she'd say do you need a singing lesson or do you need therapy Some days I needed therapy. So I, on the average, saw a therapist two to three times a week just to keep my sanity. How long did
0: you do that?
1: A year. Wow, good for you. Yeah. What
0: what you're talking about is strength. I, I say this to people all the time, Jolene. Only strong people go and get help. If you are strong enough to say, I deserve to get help, then you are on your way. Yeah. But if you think, oh, well, I'm not going to go. I'm not worth it. It costs money. I don't know if I should. Maybe I could use that for something else. So many times, I have clients all over the world, and when somebody comes and does my free consult, and they say, well, oh, and I don't know, know, maybe I should be paying my attorney or I should be doing this to say, well, yeah, you have to pay your attorney, but who are you going to be after the divorce if you don't invest in yourself? If you don't take care of yourself and have yourself empowered with new skills and new insights and a new mindset, because many people stay angry for a long time. So what was your key to shifting the anger once you got that help? What was anything specific that you remember that went? Ah, yes, I know exactly what to do when anger arises.
1: Um, that I don't remember that so much during the divorce time period. I um, I was still being attacked. It wasn't until the custody cancer case started that I really was working on my anger. And I, I this is my opinion. I feel for myself that my anger got shoved down and caused resentment, and that resentment had nothing nowhere to go except start eating away in my body, which caused a dis-ease. And in my case, it showed up as cancer. Now, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but it is for me. Um, And so in that time period, I wanted to know why I got cancer. So I did some soul-searching, one could say, and I realized, oh, I'm really angry. So I learned a technique to release the anger, and it's kind of like peeling an an onion. Is it okay if I share the technique with your audience? Absolutely. Okay. Um, Anytime you have any emotion, anger, resentment, um, any negative emotion, this technique works really well. And I learned it at the river watching the water flow over rocks. And I realized, wow, if emotions are meant to flow, why am I hanging on to anger so I can feel right? So it's about letting go of that need to feel right and let go of the anger. So the, it's a simple technique. You just imagine you have a trapdoor, Like I put trapdoors in the bottom of my feet and I would breathe in. And I'd feel the anger and I'd let it go through my body like water washing through my body and run out the bottom of my feet. And I just kept breathing. And as I did it, I used the word um, release. So it's, imagine trap doors. You could have it in your stomach if it's easier for you. That's where, you know, just put a trap door that opens up and you go breathe. Release. Breathe release and i did not know where the anger was i just felt it in my body and i was willing to release it
0: lovely so let's talk about the idea that you put forward that went for yourself you went inside and you said where did this cancer come from what's going on in my body what what's going on in my life where can i find anything that might look like a cause and you said that you found that there was anger and resentment And I think that's the case for many, many people, that people who repress emotions are going to have some way that they're going to come out, that maybe that they blow up like a Roman candle, uh, uh, something that has no need for that level of emotion, or maybe they'll just be... I shouldn't say just, maybe they'll become depressed, maybe they'll become repressed further, or maybe it will show up in it. all right, you've got a cold, maybe you're congested and congestion shows up. For everybody, I think it's a bit different. So I like the way that you put it, you know, that was the way it was for you. For uh, eight years, all of my clients were people with life-threatening diagnoses and their families. Mm. So I really understand what you're talking about here. So let's not get to the place of cancer, everybody. Let's have a look (laughs) to say, hey, what's going on in my life and my relationship right now? Which requires that you spend some time alone. And many people don't like to do that. They're busy, busy, busy. You know, we've got that whole world thing in the television and the media and the magazine saying, do more, be more, have more, repeat. <laughs> um, so we don't get into that place of relaxation, reflection, just sitting quietly, maybe journaling, maybe figuring things out. We don't accord ourselves that time. How did you learn to accord yourself that time?
1: One of the classes I took had us meditate every morning. Now, in the beginning, I was not a meditator. And to this day, I, I love this morning routine. I do it to this day. So typically, you'd get up and I'd sit there for five minutes and sip my coffee and I was supposed to meditate. But my mind was just <laughs> swirling and swirling. And I go, how can I meditate if my mind is running amok? So I started listening to my mind, and I realized if I paid attention to what I was thinking, I could hear some of the beliefs that were coming up. Mm -hmm. So then I started journaling these beliefs down, and then during the day, I would pause like at the top of every hour, and I'd say, what am I thinking now? And I would just calmly listen, and then I would listen to these beliefs, and I'd wonder if they were true. So I started working on my mindset at that time. And then I also recognized that when I had a certain thought, I also had a certain emotion. So I practiced releasing whatever I felt and changing whatever I was thinking. So that's where the mindset and the emotion kind of tie together. Mm -hmm. and um, I would also journal a lot to get the anger out. And my my morning routine would take me like two hours. I mean, I would just really practice meditating, listening, journaling. And- yeah,
0: so important. You know, my partner Charles Anderson and I wrote a book in two thousand eight called Soul Solitude, taking time for our souls to catch up. And <clears throat> we just recommend that you spend at least 60 to 90 seconds several times a day just doing exactly what you said and the the additional piece that i wrote about in kaizen for couples is if you use your breath when you sit down so you take three what i call, what are called four seven eight breaths so you breathe in through your nose for a count of four hold for a count of seven out through your mouth completely for a count of eight you do that three times and then you just close your eyes and listen then you can get in contact with that as you said what am i thinking right now what am i feeling right now what do i want right now what do i need right now And many times, Jolene, when I'm working with a new client, I will have them set their cell phone alarm for six times during the day and have them do three of those breaths and then ask those four questions just to get in touch with the present moment, like what's going on for me? Because we get into that place of rush, move, 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 strive, struggle, and we don't Remain present. We don't become present to ourselves or present to the universe. Yeah. And we have the ability to do that, and it doesn't cost anything. In fact, I think that a deep breath is the least expensive, most luxurious vacation you can take. Right? Yeah. I think that that's really important. So I love what you said. So, what does this mindset, this abundant mindset, have to do to help us when we're dealing with toxic people? What could we do in the moment?
1: Okay, so I want to go back a little bit just on what you said. Um, another thing I did is I also paused and looked at nature like a tree or a flower, and I just kind of like reconnected. And that has to do with the question that you just asked is what did I do with toxic people is, first of all, I would say, is this mine to own? I go, no. Does this have anything to do with me? no. Do I want to take this on? Definitely not. (laughs) And so I came up with this little routine in my head. I am I, you are you, and you and I are separate. Because on the um, spiritual world, they say that we energetically are all intertwined. Well, personally, I don't want to be intertwined with somebody dumping their junk on me. So I do this imaginary cutting so I'm not entwined, so I can keep my emotions separate from theirs. Because I'm also an empath, I feel what they feel. So it's really important that I don't pick up on what they're feeling. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and you know, another way that we can do that is we can stop for a minute after we've had an interchange. And we can say, okay, that piece is mine. That piece is yours. This piece is mine. That piece is yours. And so it's the same as the cutting exercise, but it just gives us like, no, you own that piece. I don't own that piece. Right. 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 Like you keep your stuff and and I'll deal with mine, but I'm not going to take your stuff on. And when we're dealing with toxic people, they want us to take their stuff on. Oh, they love the
1: argument (laughs) and the fight and the calmer I could stay. The more and the annoying more, you became. Yeah. And the more the entourage would start, I just would look at him, And then I started imagining a two-year-old throwing a tantrum. And I would start laughing. <laughs> and that would make them even madder because I'd start laughing at this behavior because I thought it was so funny. Mm-hmm. But um, I had to play um, games to make myself safe, right? Like how does a two-year-old have power over you? It's only a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Even though this person might be six feet tall and is an adult, they still don't have power over you unless you give it to them. Right. Yes. So, great
0: insight always remember that no matter what size the body that's having a tantrum the tantrum isn't about you and they're choosing to have a tantrum i had a client the other day and she she said you know i don't have any children of my own but my niece threw a tantrum in a grocery store and I didn't know what to do, she said. So I just laid down next to her and did it did the same thing she was doing. And I looked at her and I said, Am I doing it right? <laughs> and then the child was so befuddled that she stopped. You know. I bet people in the store were looking too, like, what's going on there? <laughs> right, but I thought, Oh, that is so good. I'm gonna remember that one because we don't have to Enter somebody else's reality. And when we're with a toxic person, a hijacker, they want to define our reality for us. They want to say, You should think this way. You should feel this way. And then they'll yeah. go a step further and they'll say, You feel this way. And I know you. And you feel this way. And you never have a chance to change because they've decided who you are. So there's no chance for emotional intimacy because you're never safe. And if there's no safety, there's no chance for emotional intimacy. So, how did you deal with the attacks? What did you learn to do when you were being attacked, rather than watching the tantrum?
1: I just learned not to take it personally, um, and then I also go. I, I thought to myself, "Do I want to go into this fight? Do I want to participate?" Do I want to get upset? So I'd actually ask my, in the beginning, I would play the game. (laughs) It wasn't until I got stronger did I start doing this. And I'm like, we're always fighting. We can't get along. You know, whose ego is going to win this one, right? And it didn't matter. He always got the last word. He was always right. Uh, It was always my fault. I never did anything right, blah, blah, blah. And finally, I go, you know, I'm tired of this game. I don't want to play anymore. And so when I started thinking of it as a game, do I want to play? No. Um, There is a shift in the dynamics. Well, for sure, because that's just a really great picture to have
0: in your mind. I'm being invited to play. I don't want to go into that sandbox. So I just don't. I can watch. And we all have that power. It's important for us to really realize we have that power. And when we've been with a hijackal for quite a while, like you were saying, 22 years of somebody, whether or not they were an actual hijackal with the diagnosis or not doesn't matter because they had the traits and the patterns and the cycles of hijackles. And if you think you may be with a person who has those things, just go and get my free ebook called How to Spot a Hijackal at that's hijack, A-L-S, dot com. That's hijackals.com. And you could figure that out. But if they just want you to engage so that they can win. And yes. if you don't get into the sandbox, they can't take their toys and go home. <laughs> so right. that, that's a lot of wisdom that you gathered. By simply getting some distance, it sounds to me like you were very wise, you got some help, you got more and more distance and perspective, you tried out some new things, you empowered yourself, and then you were able to move on as an empowered person. So congratulations.
1: Thanks. The therapist I saw, he said to me, you're the only person that I see that I suggest to do something and you come back next week and tell me how it went so I whatever the therapist said I did it because I was determined to change my life
0: well good you know those are our favorite clients (laughs) but sometimes and I want to put this caveat in for everybody listening sometimes you're just not ready. You just have to hang in with your professional that you're working with and say, you know, I'm entertaining the idea. I'm working up to it. Help me with my blocks. Help me get a little more strength, a little more courage to walk through that. And, and maybe they need to walk through it and hold your hand. I mean, everybody's different. And it's the willingness that we have to make the changes that makes all the difference. So thank you so much for being with us. I want everybody to know that you can go to jolenphilbrook.com and learn more about Jolen. That's J-O-L-E-N-P-H-I-L-B-R-O-O-K.com. She has a free gift there for you, an MP3, something that you can listen to on your player called Money, Wealth, and Abundance. And you can see she has wisdom for you. So you're going to want to go over there, jolenphilbrook.com, jolenphilbroo kcom And you can find that by going to my website at forrelationshiphelp.com and clicking on the podcast uh, tab at the top. Thanks,
1: Jolene. Well, thanks for having me. I had a great time.
0: And I'm glad that you were here with us on Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.